Saturday, December the 19th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Moderna's vaccine approval and a census non-decision in the Supreme Court. First, the week in brief. American regulators approved the COVID-19 vaccination made by Moderna. The country has arranged to buy around 200 million doses of the jab. Inoculations should begin this week. In an attempt to boost public confidence, yesterday Vice President Mike Pence was injected on live television with the only other vaccination so far approved in America produced by Pfizer and BioNTech. Brazil's Supreme Court ruled that all Brazilians will be required but not forced to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Ten out of the 11 justices voted in favour of mandatory vaccinations in a blow to President Jair Bolsonaro, who has previously said he will not get the jab. He has already had COVID-19. The mechanism by which authorities will enforce compliance is unclear. America's Supreme Court dodged a decision on whether to prevent Donald Trump from leaving undocumented immigrants out of the census count used to divvy up congressional seats. The justices voted 6-3 to three that any harms from this effort have yet to materialise. The court's liberal justices dissented. Immigrant rights groups say they will sue again if Mr Trump's policy comes to fruition. The Federal Reserve said American banks can start to buy back their shares again. It follows a round of stress tests in which the Fed found lenders to have retained healthy levels of capital despite the strain of the pandemic. Many of the country's biggest banks may now go on a buyback spree in the new year. The Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights at the United Nations called on Thailand to stop using Les Majestés laws against protesters. At least 35 people have been charged in recent weeks under the rules which ban Thais from insulting the monarchy. The UN body accused the government of curbing freedom of expression and assembly. OneWeb, a British communications company partially owned by the state, launched 36 satellites from the Vostochny Cosmodrome in eastern Russia. Sunil Mittal, an Indian billionaire who also invested in the company, said that the launch signals a new space partnership between Britain and India. Low Earth orbit communications is one of the fastest growing areas of space investment. And Facebook blocked or removed 265,000 posts that violated its policies against voter interference and rejected 3.3 million advertisements during America's recent elections, according to a report it submitted to members of Congress, President Donald Trump and President-elect Joe Biden. The social media company requested that lawmakers do more to regulate the Internet so that private firms do not have to shoulder the responsibility. And now, here's today's agenda. No strings. Pinocchio comes to life. Pinocchio is proving popular. Disney has a new version in production. Guillermo del Toro has a stop-motion version due out on Netflix next year. Neither are likely to be as spellbinding as Matteo Garone's live-action adaptation of Carlo Collodi's novel from 1883. Mr. Garone, a director known for Gamora, an inner-city gangster drama, has mixed a unique blend of earthy naturalism and fairy tale magic. 
The setting is poverty-stricken rural Tuscany. The disheveled Geppetto, played by Roberto Benini, who took the title role in his own self-directed Pinocchio in 2002, is starving. Even though there are ghosts and talking animals everywhere, the actors are transformed by prosthetic makeup rather than digital effects, so that the misadventures of the eponymous wooden boy, Federico Yelapi, never seem far from reality. Mr. Garone's bittersweet coming-of-age film was a hit in Italy last Christmas and deserves to be a hit when it is released in America on Christmas Day. If anyone says otherwise, check whether their nose is growing. Not to be sneezed at, Banksy. Vale Street in Bristol was once famous for being the steepest residential road in England, used every Easter for an egg-rolling competition. Now a house on the street has been daubed with an extremely valuable work of art, spray-painted by Banksy, a street artist. The piece, titled Achu, depicts an elderly woman sneezing out her dentures. This is not the first undercover artwork of Banksy's that appeared amid the pandemic this year. In July, the artist decorated largely abandoned London underground trains with images of rats, one of which was also sneezing. The city's transport authority swiftly expunged the paintings since they violated its anti-graffiti policy. The homeowners on Vale Street, however, seem to have embraced their new status as a makeshift gallery. They were on the verge of selling the property but have now delayed the sale until they can ensure Chu is protected. Perhaps the artwork's estimated value of £5 million, $6.7 million, also gave them pause for thought. One Night in Miami, Imagining Four American Legends On the night Muhammad Ali first captured the World Heavyweight Championship by knocking out Sonny Liston in February 1964, he celebrated in a Miami hotel room with three of his closest friends, Sam Cooke, the King of Soul, Jim Brown, a star American footballer, and Malcolm X, the charismatic and controversial activist. One Night in Miami, the dazzling directorial debut of Regina King, an Oscar-winning actor, imagines their conversation. Written by Kemp Powers, based on his own play, the film begins on a celebratory note, with the four young men who have reached the top of their fields reveling in their victories. As the evening wears on, a tense and vital debate emerges about the costs and responsibilities associated with black success. Ms. King's modest direction puts the spotlight on an impeccable script that both unearths the humanity of its heroes and dramatizes debates that feel painfully familiar in the year of Black Lives Matter. Unforgettable, the World Memory Championships in 1956, a psychologist, George Miller, published a landmark paper saying that most people can hold seven items in short-term memory and recall them in sequence. Some may be able to remember nine, others as few as five. But at the World Memory Championships in 2019, Kim Soo-Rim from North Korea learned and repeated a sequence of 2,530 playing cards in 60 minutes. Our Cards is one of ten disciplines that comprise the most prestigious event in memorization. Other challenges include sequences of binary numbers, names and faces, and fictitious dates, either in five-minute speed rounds or in hour-long periods. 
The 2020 championships, which take place this weekend, will be held online. The overall winner is likely to be from Asia. Four out of the five highest official scores ever were recorded by North Koreans. Memorization techniques are apparently widely taught in the country's secondary schools. Entrants from China and Mongolia have also fared well. Mr Miller would be astounded. Origami Engineering – Folding Rocket Fuel Tanks In space, where there is only feeble gravity, drawing liquid fuel from a tank becomes a serious engineering challenge. During the Apollo era of moon exploration, American astrophysicists tried pumping fuel with collapsible balloons, but they kept breaking in the super-cold temperatures. The replacement system still used today imposes limits on the size of fuel tanks and hence the scope of missions. Now, work in Cryogenics, a journal, describes a possible new generation of rocket fuel tanks inspired by the traditional Japanese art of origami. The tank is a bladder of ultra-thin plastic that compresses like bellows. A simple origami fold pattern spreads the stresses out over the surface, making it less likely to break. It does not crack or leak, even when folded more than 100 times in extreme cold. NASA is interested in the concept and has ordered further tests. It would be poetic indeed to see an ancient pastime help launch humanity into the future. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Emily Bronte, who died on this day in 1848. Honest people don't hide their deeds. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.